Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The Mina Kimes Show, featuring Lenny. Mina and her expert guests will have a full breakdown of the NFL draft next week and this summer. They'll do a team-pie-team team preview to get you ready for next season. That's The Mina Kimes Show, available wherever you are consuming this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Uh, we have a guest joining us this week. First time or check him out at The Athletic. He'll be doing live draft coverage Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Nate Tice, what's going on, man? Not too much. Thanks for having me. I, I, I love getting to sit around for the ad reads too. Because, uh, it's, it, honestly, it's because I don't have to do them. So I always like like hearing everyone's style on them and actually how they go about them. So that was a great experience uh, already. Already I'm off very, to a great start. I'm very <laughs> Joe Friday about them ad reads because I don't get no extra form. Like I ain't going to sell you short, but uh, you know what I'm saying? They ain't <laughs> so much. Enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing it from the diaphragm, you no. know? No, there's a, you're like yeah. a running back. Hey, it's blocked for four <laughs> yards. I'm getting you four yards. I'm there not getting we go. extra after that. No, that's there, perfect. That's exactly how to do it. There we go. Now, we got a lot of NFL draft talk to do with you, but I want to ask you this question once first. It's kind of a running thing that we do on our show, but okay. it's an interesting question for me to ask you just because of who your father is and the fact that he's six foot seven. You ever try your dad? Once. And th that's all I'll leave it at. <laughs> <laughs> what in it, the world possessed you? Uh, alcohol was involved. And, uh, <laughs> and it actually wasn't even like that big of a, like him and I go like, you know, have our, we're Irish, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we'll get at it. But like, we're both kind of gentle giants, even though his bite is worth worse than his bark. And there was just one time where he kind of was just, poked, it was over a dart game of all things. <laughs> and he just poked me and poked me and poked me and just kept needling me talking <laughs> And just went and went and went. And then I finally just had enough, bowed up on him. And uh, I'll just, I'll, I won't say it went well. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but it, it didn't go badly. You know, I held my own enough. But I tried once and that was it. It was like, all right, we checked that box. We got it done. I don't have a brother. So I never had the brother fight. So I, I got that family, the uh, little family fight uh, done once. And that was it. Check the box. You know, I, I guess I did not realize that you were also a giant. Right. I probably like I get that. Yeah. Six, five. That's the, the difference between six, five and six, seven is not insignificant. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing is I it's, it, I don't realize how tall I am because I grew up around my dad and mm -hmm. and my mom's five, two. So I was either going to be five, ten or six, four, <laughs> six, five. Like, I, there's no in between. And luckily, I got the taller side. But I really until I got older, I grew up in NFL locker rooms. I grew up around my dad. And as I got taller, even like short DBs were calling me little Tice, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I was never like, oh, I'm tall. And then all of a sudden, really, I moved to the Bay Area for a couple of years. And that's when I was like, oh, I'm tall. I can, <laughs> I'm walking around San Fran and I can see it like two miles straight down. Like my visibility was high because I was just so much taller than everybody else there. So don't really realize how big I am until I start talking to other people. Yeah. And Nate's dad is Mike Tice, a uh, former head coach of the Vikings, who I always say is the one thing I say about him. I feel like he got a bad rap for saying the quiet part out loud, which was we're going to throw the ball to Randy Moss every chance we get, guys. Why? Because I'm not <laughs> stupid. <laughs> That's why. 
target people call it target share now and they love it <laughs> it's all fancy there's fancy websites built on that now and it was originally started with the randy ratio i'm glad you brought that up it was uh it's a classic my dad he had had a he's a little more to him at least mentally than people realize a little more cerebral but he also can't help himself he's a loud new yorker and he has to tell everybody his secret plan on his opening press conference so that's that's the yin and yang of mike tice right there i feel like there's a bit of a mike tice dan campbell parallel in that sense that they're the big guys and in that way it becomes difficult for people to think of them as something other than big guys yes kevin seifert uh uh compared them already run dan campbell got hired he's like or no it wasn't when he got hired it was Dan Campbell was the interim coach in Miami, I believe. Mm-hmm. And like day one, he ran Oklahoma drills and it was like, we're going to build up toughness. And Kevin was like, there's a lot of parallels between Dan Campbell and Mike Tice. And that was years and years ago. And as it's gone along, I'm like, there are a lot of comparables <laughs> between these two. Sometimes they put their foot in their mouth and they don't realize it. And then you kind of brush it over and you're like, Hey, you know, he's actually, he's actually not bad at what he does. You know? Yo, I've come around on Dan Campbell because I remember, you know, because I was working with Levitard at the time. So yeah. man Campbell, because like Dan Campbell is the embodiment of yes. a form of masculinity that Levitard just can't stand. Like that's the Dan's that like I had, I had to call him Levitard there, which I never do for what it's worth because it was too many Dan's. Um, <laughs> but, but Campbell, I looked up and like hard knocks. I was like, Hey, this guy yeah. ain't so bad. And then All I looked right. at his staff and was like, damn, he's branch Ricky. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh that's funny that's funny he's he's looking at the indianapolis clowns and just you know yeah. he's, he's scouting them you know he's looking at throughout the league hey man your pops is out here with dante culpepper the parallels continue pat moss uh he had black defensive coordinators he had a black special teams coach uh he he was he was all about it. those that's what having the the pros of having a former player really matters because a lot of them don't give a about all that like you right. know they just hire it truly is hiring the best guy or guys they get along with and i think that helps there's not they're not pulled part of that old boys network that the nfl is kind of littered with and and that's something i found out when i was going through the coaching ranks i thought it was very normal that you play in the nfl for 14 years and then a year later <laughs> you're an nfl coach like that's just as everybody's trajectory right and then there i am a ga at pit going man, this isn't what it's all cracked up to be. <laughs> I think you become a head coach in five years. But I, I think that's what helps is that when you don't go through that and you have you know your buddy-buddy system going on, you kind of hire the guys you respect and like. And I think that just opens up horizons maybe more than a lot of those other coaches that climb the rank with all these other guys that are you know grinder coach types. Right. And I think yeah. Culpepper, it makes for a nice segue into this draft because I have been fascinated with Anthony Richardson since the first time I saw him play in 2021, where he did not play well. But I was like, oh, that's a first round pick. And right. then I saw him play against Utah and I was like, oh, there's the number one pick. Now, he's not going to be the number one pick, but I am a little surprised that the scuttlebutt is that this many teams would let him fall after we saw Josh Allen. And I would think that nobody would want to be the person that took Sam Darnold over Josh Allen, basically. Yeah, I, I've, I'm i doing a video on him right now because I just want to cram it in right before the draft, you know, get those 1,000 views on YouTube. <laughs> and as I'm rewatching, this is like the fourth time I've rewatched these games because I have to pull the clips now because, again, I'm an idiot and I watch the games knowing I have to make a video but don't save the plays. I have to put in the video, so I have to do it again. And I'm watching, I'm like, what am I missing? What? what, (laughs) what, uh, Shouldn't we be like head over heels over this guy? You know, just a a truly, truly S-tier, all-time generational athlete and does a lot of the little things really well. 
as far as moving in the pocket and also just the mental side. They put a lot on his plate, you know, as far as handling plays, way more than Dante Culpepper ever did at UCF or or Josh Allen did at Wyoming. And I don't know. It's almost like I, I, I thought that because of Josh Allen that everybody would be gaga over Anthony Richardson. And it's like we're back to the Baker Mayfield discussion where it's all about the heart, you know, the size of the fight, the dog, as opposed to, you know, the size, the size of the dog in the fight, which I don't know. I, if we're watching the Super Bowl or watching the final four teams the last couple of years, what are the top quarterbacks all look like they're all big athletic and can throw all over the yard and are mentally astute so i don't know i i'm i'm totally with you he's my qb1 i think we have talked about this i watched the lsu game to start this spring and i'm like what this this guy should be the number one pick with a, a bullet next to it um so I'm, I'm i understand the completion percentage and all that but there is way more to him than even just the athletic crazy athletic traits that he has you know, so one part of it is, I don't know, have you ever read uh, Bruce Feldman's book, uh, Meat Market, about yeah. recruiting? Yes. And I remember reading that, and it was the first time that I realized, like, the way the scouts looked at asses. Like, literally the asses of players. And they're looking for dudes with big old bulbous asses. Like, that's what they want. There's a legitimate explanation for it, right? It's a muscle yeah. of power, right? Like, yes. all of that stuff. But, you know, it sounds a little bit weird. And then you talk to scouts. And the way they talk about certain prospects, like it can make you a little bit uncomfortable, right? Because oh, yeah. they're they're in the objectification business. Like their job is to objectify these people for their bodies. And they're really into their jobs. So and sometimes they wind up really into a guy and you're like, yo, dude, you're drooling. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a little off. And then I saw Anthony Richardson at that pro day, and I was like, "Oh, that's what it is. It. Yes, that's what they. Oh, that's how. That's why they feel this way. Oh right. my goodness. I'm like, I don't see how you're that big. Like, like this is like Cam Newton is one of those guys that it yep. doesn't matter what you put on the sheet. He feels yep. bigger than that. I haven't been in a room with Richardson, but I imagine it's got to be a similar situation. He's so big and also runs a four four, which right. Cam it did not. No, you know it when you see it kind of thing. And then when you see it, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you talk about bone thickness. The The weirdest one is the weigh-ins at the combine. I've had to sit front row there, and I'm, the whole time I'm like, this is really weird, guys. There's 200 <laughs> of us just staring at guys in shorts, and that's it. Tight, you know, compression shorts, right. and we're just doing this and taking notes on it, uh, which is just, yeah, there's a lot that... Uh, like, take can't you back. just give me the answers at that's the all end? <laughs> or people people like fight over the front row at the combine for the weigh-ins. Like, they, they, that's like a big Seriously. deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, it... When I was a low-level assistant, one of my first jobs, like my job before I got the job with the Falcons was to make sure we save the spots because there's no assigned seating at the weigh-ins. And it had to be in the front row. And not only had to be in the front row, it had to be the angle where you could see the guys before they walked up on the stage. So you can get that extra five seconds to look into the guy's body. I was like, what can a picture do, guys? You get the <laughs> you get the results and you get the picture. So what else do we need about this? Um, the, oh, so when I was putting together the video, I was looking at, there's a website called Mock Draftable, and it, it, it's everybody's traits, you know, the percentile, their arm length, and all this at their position. And you can just you can look at when comparing them to all quarterbacks. And Anthony Richardson's like 99th percentile weight, 99th percentile or 96th percentile weight, 99th percentile broad jump, 99th percentile 40. But then you can click on athlete and compare him to all NFL prospects for, for everyone in the database. And the number one comparable athlete to Anthony Richardson is Khalil Mack. And so you have Khalil Mack playing quarterback and he's actually smart and does all the polished things that good quarterbacks do. That's, that's a one of a kind type player and kind of really freaky when you think about it. Yeah. And I'm curious about this as you've been around more people who do these evals and the idea of smart is so amorphous. Right. And right. you know, I feel like 
people can talk themselves into or out of whatever they want. So right. when you see a guy like Rich, uh, specifically Richardson, like what are you seeing that makes you be like, oh, that dude gets it? That that's a great question. It's uh, it's really the pre-snap process is what I see. Uh, like I have been lucky enough to. Well, I was a quarterback. I was I played under a really good coach, Paul Christ, uh, who became the head coach at Wisconsin. But he was my offense coordinator. Other coaches that I was was under, and also just my experience, you know, like being a ball boy in high school and working under Scott Linehan, was I kind of can tell how each concept is there people think there's infinite amount of concepts that teams run it's really just how you bucket it it's a high low it's a progression read and i won't get too much into it but i can kind of tell when a quarterback is doing that the right way it's one two three the timing is right it's like a dance um every all dropbacks timing route timing and protections are all tied together uh, a five-step timing has a certain amount of routes that can be run with that, and the protection is a certain way. Seven steps the same way, quick games the other way. And when you see something's a little off, okay, I have to reverse engineer. Was the quarterback late? Was the receiver running the wrong route? Was he wrong with the protection? And when I watch Richardson, there's so much where it's he takes his drop back and the ball's out in one hitch. So that means he knows where he's going with the right to the right read. Okay, now when he comes off the right read, is it coming out on the second hitch? Or, or his eyes, I say his eyes, but really you're just looking at the helmet stripe. Is he going coast to coast when he's looking and progressing? If it's calm and going one, two to three, there's no concept known to man where a quarterback goes left to right, sideline to sideline. That just doesn't happen. So when you see a quarterback doing that, like a Zach Wilson, then you're like, oh, shoot, that that's scary. That means he's just guessing. Malik Willis was like that last year, which is why I've gotten frustrated when people have tried to go, oh, Anthony Richardson's just the next Malik Willis. It's like, oh, no, no, no. there's no, nothing. No, there's nothing, nothing similar here. Nothing other than that they're good athletes. That is it. Uh, and on top of that, this is the pre-snap process is protections and checks and all that. And in college, some quarterbacks get that responsibility and some just don't. The coaches are like, screw it, set it and forget it. Let's go. Florida gave Richardson the ability to trump the offensive line. Meaning offensive line makes their point. We're going this way with a protection. Richardson can walk up and go, no, we're going this way to fix the play. This is something that NFL quarterbacks have to do. Like that is the next level quarterback play. And he's doing it as a redshirt sophomore who started less than 12 games. So that's where I'm like, this is, that's some really intriguing polish that he's already showing. And it's in the sixth start that that's cool. That shows a lot of growth of what he can mentally handle. Now, for people on the idea of concepts that I'm just showing off because I finally learned like Love this it. week what a concept is. Um, and so I will put it in terms that the Madden players can understand. <laughs> like curl flat is a yeah. concept, right? Yeah. Uh, the wheel. The wheel yep. is a concept, right? It's like these ideas of these groupings of routes that happen that are, you know, there ain't but so many ways that people mix those things up. Yep. Yeah, you know, everybody so, has to be properly spaced. Right. You don't want two guys running into each other. You have to you want vertical and horizontal spacing. Right. And that curl flat is basically to snuff out that corner to the cover two corner. Like you've got to pick one of these guys. You yep. decide which one, the one back here or the one up front. Either right. way, put them in a Woo. bind, put them in a bind. That, that's so what it is. That's right a, and, that's, and people think it's just infinite. They're like, oh, my God, this coach has 800 plays. It's like, no, he has 40 plays or 30 plays and he dresses them up in dozens of ways. But once you start to learn to bucket it, it kind of it's it, it, you kind of see the light and go, oh, Oh, okay. This guy isn't as smart as I thought he was, or this coach is smarter than I thought he was because of how they dress up those designs. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. 
And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, you mentioned Baker Mayfield, and I think like the Mayfield, Josh Allen cop, and again, I was the hugest Josh Allen skeptic, and I still don't think I was wrong for it. It's the most amazing, incredible improvement that I've ever seen, and now yeah. I love the dude. Like, But it's I just I, I did not expect that after that happened that people would look at Richardson and be like, eh, I don't know about that one. Right. But we're going with Bryce Young this year, and Bryce Young is a really, 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 really good college quarterback, and... I think that people have a tendency to think that some of the things that evaluators look at in terms of size are like lazy and just being biased, mm -hmm. except this is a game where people knock each other around. Like big does matter a game where you have to stand behind what are usually bigger people than you and have to do things that does matter. And I look at Bryce young and I'm like, are we really sure about this? Cause people seem really sure in a way that I find to be incredibly surprising. That. It's surprising me as well, uh, outside just the size stuff. And of course he's a truly, truly historical outlier. He, he would be the first. And he, again, he weighed at the combine at two Oh four. Let's, let's be honest. He's probably one ninety, one ninety two. He, he didn't weigh as pro day because that, uh, that water weight didn't keep up for another two weeks. So when you look at him, he would be the first, first round quarterback under 200 pounds since Jim McMahon. in 1982, I believe it was, uh, he spent it's, his it's, career getting the hell knocked out yes. of him it's i have uh i have reservations with quarterbacks under 210 um and that was i did research on it when zach wilson was coming out he weighed in at 211 or 212 but you watch him on film at byu and you're like that no way like you're 200 pounds tops <laughs> it's because they have injury history unless you are a true true freak athlete um lamar jackson mike vick were guys that were under 210 that did well the other the third one the other historical outlier was mark bulger of all the oh, <laughs> all wow. the guys that are yeah i know which was not the name I expected to crop up when I did that study, uh, but all the other ones had injury history. And that's where it's already scary. That's sub 210, much less sub 200. And again, if we're not even just looking at size and height and weight, and yes, you can paint the broad brush and say we're lazy evaluators and we're just not watching the film. When you watch Bryce Young, it's not his arm strength isn't overwhelming. It's more adequate. I think he's a fine athlete, but not a great one. He's gotten comparisons to Russell Wilson and, and Kyler Murray. Those guys were legit baseball players that were drafted 
and they have exceptional arms, very good arms that can throw the ball very deep balls and also drive on throws. And that's where Bryce Young is a great problem solver, but he creates a lot of his own problems. And, and that is a little scary for me when it's only going to get harder, faster, and bigger at the NFL level. So you have size and what are your answers? Oh, you can create. Well, hopefully you have a little bit more because you don't have the arm strength to give you that room for error. You don't have the athletic ability to give you room for error. It's all down to your mental side and your creation. And that's just a scary package to put together when the guy weighs 195 pounds. Yeah, and you play with Russell Wilson in college. I covered him when he was at NC State. And one thing I will always remember is his very first game because their roster was so depleted. They were thinking about having him return punts. No one would ever have Bryce Young return no. punts. Like that fine athlete thing. And you and I talked about this off air about Baker Mayfield, who was a fine athlete for college. And it mattered in his collegiate performance. And he was incredibly accurate in college. But his level of college athlete, I feel very similarly about Vince Young, too. Like, your level of college athlete greatly outstripped where you were relative to your peers in the NFL. And if your game as a quarterback, you're used to just shaking these dudes off and now these dudes are right there with you. Ooh, what do we do now? Right. How many times do we see Baker fr- try to give the dirty leg and he just gets smoked? Because <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, he's like trying to shake a guy and the guy's like, all right, I'll just clo- <laughs> close the space and knock you out. Like, okay, problem solved. Uh, I know you're not going against Kansas every week. You're going against the best of the best and they're long and fast. And how many times do we watch college basketball players get to the NBA and you're like, man, why was, why wasn't, uh, uh, you know, Jim, what's his name? Buckets. Uh, blanking on his uh, name. Yeah, for debt. Yeah, for yeah, for debt. Why isn't he like just going off? It's like, yeah, because every guy is longer, faster, and just as skilled. So you have to have a lot of package. If you aren't an exceptional athlete, you better be a genius in all the <laughs> other ways. And no, that that's exactly it. If you're not an overwhelming athlete, it's how you win. And I think that's this is speaking to Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson is I think a lot of people assume Anthony Richardson just wins with his legs and just goes, oh, he's a scramble and one read and done. And he's not. He only scrambles when he has to. And which is kind of funny. It's like, I wish you scrambled more, buddy. Uh, But then you watch Bryce Young and he gets into creation mode too early and he's running out of LSU and he's making these highlight plays. And that's all great. And then I look at the LSU guys and it's like, that's a senior not playing in the NFL. That's a junior that's getting replaced by a transfer portal guy. You know, you're not seeing these exceptional players. Of course, he's going to run away from them. So it's just that, again, room for error. That's what all these athletes have to find and also find ways to win. And Bryce Young's is a little more limited than others, even if he is pretty good at the creation stuff. Man, that NFL level speed. I have not done an NFL game from the sideline, but I will never forget two moments in my life. One was 2005. I was covering, this is at Morehouse College. I was covering their homecoming and I was on their sideline. And I just remember standing there and watching, like it's basically a one lane freeway with cars going in both directions. And this is division two football. And I'm just like, oh my God. Then I remember three years later, I'm working at the radio station in Raleigh and Virginia Tech when they were still like, you know, Virginia Tech good. Yeah. They played against Carolina. And for the last drive of the game, I went to the sideline. And Mike Paulus, Greg Paulus's brother, who played at Duke, Mike Paulus was a top 50 um, national recruit at quarterback. He was a big deal. TJ Yates had gotten hurt and they threw yeah. Paulus out there. And so we're talking about a redshirt freshman quarterback against a Bud Foster defense. And I just could not imagine how anybody was expected to make decisions in the time period that was allotted to him. And that's the Virginia Tech defense, right? Very good for what it was, but yeah. we're talking about Virginia Tech. Getting to the league, I just can't 
and all these dudes are giant. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 hard to fathom. <laughs> the the play I, I come back to is from the Super Bowl. I'm watching I, I was there covering it this year. First time I, I broke my own rule. Originally I was never gonna go to the Super Bowl unless I was part of a team or my dad was part of a team. Well, my dad's retired. I work in media now, so I guess I could break <laughs> that rule. And I watch it's Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. Hates Hurts isn't very tall, but he's freaking 230 and squats, you know, squats a house. Mahomes is bigger than people realize. He might might be very tall, 6'2 and change, but he's 230. And the play that sticks out in my mind, and it's going to be burned into there, is that Mahomes steps up and out of the pocket. And Jordan Davis uh, from Georgia, rookie last year for the Eagles, 340 pounds. That was nice of you. Yeah, I know 340. I, I was kind of <laughs> like uh, 370 maybe. Uh, you you watch him and he is jumping on top of Mahomes. Mahomes holds him off. He's falling to the ground and still gets the ball off to Kelsey. And you say, oh, well, that's Mahomes. It's When you watch a lot of these top guys, Josh Allen's a great example, but even a Burrow um, or Justin Herbert and or even a guy like Lamar, who's not as big, but of course is a freak athlete. You watch these guys, they get those throws off. They are not taking a sack there. Most guys, if that was Jimmy G, or Baker, or some of these other guys, the smaller guys of the league, the non-top 10 guys, that's a sack. That's a four-yard loss, and now it's second or third and 14. Mahomes turned that into a first down. As he's getting hit from a 360-pounder, I just upped his weight a little bit, holding him off and getting the throw off sidearm, he completes a ball and makes a great play to Travis Kelsey. And that play is burning my brain because now, for me, it's can this quarterback I'm watching as a prospect do that? And I know that's one play I'm extrapolating a bunch, but that kind of like gives me a nice snapshot of what that what you're needed to do to play at a high level at the quarterback position. And that's what some of these guys can't. And that's what I'm worried that Bryce Young cannot do is create those good plays when it should be a negative play. Well, one of those guys that at least we think is going to be strong enough to do what you describe as Will Levis. But like I said something on the podcast last week that I was just like, look, man, if these four guys are the four quarterbacks up top and the Will Levis is number four, trust me. He's number four. <laughs> Apparently, however, now he's number two because it sounds like the Texans are going to take him. And I, I try to be careful about not being too critical of people that I haven't like really watched. Right. However, I feel like if the Texans are the only people that believe something, that's not good. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> the one person that agrees with you and you're like, ah, yeah. I don't want that. <laughs> well, yeah. Like what's going on here? It's I think what is game and what he played in at Kentucky. I think a lot of NFL coaches, I wouldn't say personnel guys, but coaches, once they watched him, so their season ends and they start evaluating prospects for the draft. There's so many of these guys that are from the Shanahan offenses that are under center, a lot of play action and all that. They watch Will Levis and goes, Well, that translates. It's it's almost a lack of creativity. It's, oh, you write comedy? Okay, well, we're going to put you in a comedy movie. You know, like, that's because kind of how they go about it. And they, yeah, he kind of is typecasted as that. And I think that's where the appeal is. Um, I think these guys watched Kentucky, watched him in these offenses and go, oh, I recognize that play. And if you look at who the Houston Texans offense coordinator is, it's Bobby Slowick, who was, you know, a Shanahan guy. The head coach just came from San Francisco, D'Amico Ryan. It's like, even though he has other experience, but those guys came from that offensive system. And I think that's where they're saying, oh, if we have to choose a guy, we'll choose that guy because he does stuff that we ask him to do as opposed to, can he do it? We're not sure. And then you leave that room for doubt. So I think that's where the appeal comes from. He's super tough which I do, I do like, and he is a good athlete, but he's blind as a bat, as a runner. Like he has no vision. He is a magnet for contact. I've never seen a guy 
I feel I feel bad for him in the pocket because he gets his head taken off all the time. But then he runs down the field. I'm like, go down, go down, go down, <laughs> go down. And he runs right at the DB. It's like, you know, he just the steering wheel breaks. He's the Bryce um, Harper of football. Like there's a wall exactly, there. There's a wall exactly there. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how he plays. And uh, so there's a lot, there's traits that you do like, but it, it's it's a little scary because it's he's also the oldest prospect of these top guys. Well, if we don't include Hen Hooker, right? But you know, he's two months, he's only two months younger than Justin Fields. And people are still saying that he needs room to grow. And it's like, ooh, that's it's a little scary. If you're saying in a polished offense and that he still needs time to grow, okay, that's a little scary about where he could end up. Well, what are those Shanahan guys looking for? And the reason I ask that is I look at Kyle Shanahan's history with quarterbacks and nothing makes sense, right? Like, no, we're not going to take Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. We think we're going to get Kirk Cousins. Okay, now we're going to sink all this money in Jimmy Garoppolo. Nope, we're going to trade three first-round picks for Trey Lance. Up, up, up. Scratch that. Mr. Irrelevance got this. And I just can't figure out any rhyme or reason to, like, what it is that those guys look for. Uh, and someone the other day I was doing a show was like, you know, the 49ers and Shanahan really look at S2 scores and that's why they like Purdy. And I'm like, that works for them, but it, would, it doesn't work for, I wouldn't follow the same path that they do. I think what it is for them is they, they want you to be able to, and this is why a lot of coaches love Kirk cousins. And even if he doesn't have that creation, that creativity and that, but if you get him on a whiteboard and go, Hey, run, drop this concept and go through it. He will do it to a T exactly the coaching points, the timing, everything will be perfect. If you want a coaching clinic, you want Kirk cousins to talk about every concept because he'll go through it. And he's the classic guy that if the defense does exactly what he does or what he thinks they're going to do, everything's perfect. But as soon as things go skew, then we've seen Kirk cousins play. It all goes, falls apart. Oh, so he and Jimmy Garoppolo are the same person is what you're telling me. Exactly the same way. Derek Carr too. It's like these guys, they're cut from the same cloth. They, if everything goes how they think it's going to go, they're great. But if they have to ad lib at all, oh my god, anything unscripted, they just fall apart. And but that's what the Shanahan guys love because they they think I have the perfect play, and this guy's going to get open on your third step, and you better stand in there and deliver that ball. And that's what they they like, and that's why I get why they like Levis because he's tough. He'll go to hey, go to A, go to B, and he'll do it right on time. But he's so robotic. And but that's the thing they like that, and also the under center stuff where he is doing all the footwork, which is teachable and coachable. But I think they think, oh, that's a leg up on the other guys because we don't have to coach that and like break in a wild horse. You know, we can we can this guy's already polished to trot how we want him to. And see, that's why my thought was, if you were running a Shanahan type of system, that you would look to Richardson if for no other reason than like one of the things about Malik Willis is that stretch run game. We right. can hand the ball off so much farther off, you know, away, which matters. Right. Like, I would watch that with the Titans and be like, oh, my God, how'd you get over there so fast? That's why Robert Griffin was so intriguing. It seems like forever ago. But why he was so intriguing in that offense was this stretch game is going to be bananas. And I would think that everything else, at least the way it's presented to us, is that the rest of it is not that complex. So right. you don't need to go get Will Levis. That would right. be my thought. Right. Oh, I, I love that thought too. Is that like the athleticism opens up the run game because it, it does it, it, not just with them designed runs and everything, but the bootlegs. And that's, that's a great point. That's another strength with Richardson. We're just going to, I'm going to, I have no qualms with praising Richardson for an hour here uh, is that when he does bootleg stuff, there's a great play against Tennessee. It's before 
there's the play, the crazy play against Tennessee where he's bouncing around the pocket and throws the touchdown. And it's like, Oh, crazy. It's the play before that one. It's a fourth down. They run a bootleg. It's a DB blitz off the edge. And he outraces the DB to the corner because he gets, gets the angle on him and completes the throw. And I agree with you. Like, why wouldn't you want the guy that can move really well and do those throws and, and open up possibilities for your whole offense? So, but again, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, he, th- he traded three first round picks for Trey and, Lance. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the whole point of Trey Lance was that he was tired of having to call the perfect play. He wanted the creativity ability, the creation ability. And now he's like, ah, we tried for two games. Let's, <laughs> let's go back to what I'm used to. Let's do the joystick cor- quarterback where he goes exactly where I tell him to throw the ball. So let me ask you this. What the hell did CJ Stroud do to everybody? I don't know, man. I, I be Cali chill, I guess. Be a zoomer. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, I have no idea, man. <laughs> and he's got to be so confused right now. Like, uh, where's his agent at, by the way? Like, well, hey, his, well, his agent is, well, the thing is, his agent is Mulgetta. And so oh, there had been the hypothesis right, that, the, right. that the Texans didn't want him because of the history with Deshaun Watson. That's right. like one thing I can say. His agent is good. Yeah. <laughs> his agent is really, really good. Just look at the contract. Yes. Uh, but, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. The the Texans connection there. <laughs> that that kind of takes him off the board. It was like in Atlanta uh, after with the Falcons. Uh, Virginia Tech guys were kind of taken off the board after a yes. while. <laughs> yes. For, for certain reasons. Um, but, uh, but that yeah, I don't know what Stroud did because when you watch him, it's like this guy should be – everybody should like this guy. He's accurate. He does everything on time. Uh, he's tough like and then the question marks were why he's a good athlete why isn't he using then he like does it against georgia and other games like it's northwestern he was like obviously the best player on the field even though he only threw for 60 yards it was like 60 mile an hour gust wins and he's he said screw it i'm gonna start running around it's like this guy took the game into his hands and he's tough i don't know i i really don't know he must be just like he just must have bombed those interviews or just somebody's like, he had one answer they didn't like. He's a cat guy instead of a dog guy or something like that or some stupid question he didn't answer correctly. But I don't know what he did because his tape's really, really good. Are there any questions about that Ryan Day offense? And I asked that because we had the questions about fields and what people said was this offense got a bunch of these option routes. So the dudes are going to have to wait forever before they can make a decision. And I didn't know if that had come up with Stroud in any of the evaluation also. Um, yeah, there were some timings, like my negatives with Stroud were that it's because of that offense where he has to take an extra hitch, right? Where I talked about where everything comes out on time and everything. He'll kind of go one, two, three, hitch, hitch, and then throw. And there's just that little fat, but that's really, to me, very coachable, like very fixable as a coach. Cause you just go, all right, we just got to limit the, li- limit the options for him or tell him, Hey, just trust it and let it go. Cause when he throws on time, it's fantastic. Um, but that offense though, is also that. He's got two potential first round pick tackles. You know, he's got uh, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba this year. Uh, also Marvin Harrison Jr. who will be a freaking top five pick next year. He's incredible. Um, and then last year, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. So you have guys just coming open. So the room for error again is greater for him because he he doesn't have to throw exactly on time to maximize their, their room and their separation. So I think that's where some of the blemishes come from. They don't run a ton of concepts as well. They just run kind of the same five or six money concepts. They're like, you know, like a guy in Madden. Oh, it's mm-hmm. third and 10. All right, here comes the money play. Try and stop it. They kind of fall into that a little bit, unless it's a big game like against Georgia. So I think where that's some of that, that comes where it's like, okay, what's his comfort level when you get him outside those five plays? You know, that receiver you mentioned, uh, Junior, 
we every year we hear about people asking him crazy questions in the draft, you know, interviews like the Des Bryant one, which didn't go exactly the way that people think, but still, right. you know, felt like it was a little bit out of line. I bet they don't ask that boy nothing untoward about his family of origin. Not a damn word. Nothing. No car wash question. No, no. So, so, so what you, yeah. So what'd you learn? What'd you learn about running routes for pops? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. What'd you hear? Would you go to a lot of Colts practices when you grew up? Like, <laughs> right. you know, that's, that's what they're going to focus on. And the answer is going to be actually, no, we just stayed in Philly. He only went there to work. That's funny. That's that really, was yeah. it. That's but he right. is, I know this has nothing to do with the draft, obviously, but yeah. I am fascinated by the fact that I don't think this comes up nearly enough of how much bigger junior is yes. the senior in this case. While apparently like I saw somebody, I think it was, may have been Steve Smith. I'm not sure, but they made the argument that he's bigger than his dad and faster than his dad. I'm like, no, I don't think he's faster than his dad, but he is like two of his dad. Yes. He is legitimately head and shoulders taller than his dad. He's all of six, three. I know he's listed six, four, but he looks like he's six, three, but then I I would say he's faster, but I would say he has the same foot quickness as his dad, which is, that's the scary part is he's six, three, six, four, and there's no fat on his route running. And he's a sophomore. It's, (laughs) And he catches everything and he can stack. And then he does have speed though. Like he, I've seen plays where he's stacking corners on deep balls. Cause he beats, beats guys off the line. He's tall. Doesn't let shorter DBs get into him. Like little stoutier guys. So he beats press. He's long. He can stack guys deep and he's got perfect footwork on route running. Gee, what, gee, what, what am I missing with this guy? <laughs> Cause I mean, that's a guy I want to build my whole offense around, which is, that's just scary, man. I, I'm just scared to think of him. I tell you this, it's a good thing we got Trey Wingo off the draft coverage because those of you who remember the Trey Wingo era of the NFL draft, and I like Trey, but Trey leaned a little hard on oh. the hard scrabble tales of people's youths. And, you know, his father's did 40 years in jail. Oh, his mama, right. who knows what the hell she doing right now. Man, the edits that would have had to come up when Junior hit the track. <laughs> you know when some of the picks come up and it's commercial (laughs) but they come up on the bottom they'll make sure they'll time it up they'll go okay oh who's up okay boom hit the bottom we're going to commercial right now doesn't matter if it's the number five pick nope we're getting out of here we're getting out of here wow number Uh, six is on the clock already what happened here (laughs) just pass over that one another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't want to lead too hard on this Viking stuff because that's not what you do. You got your own life. I want to be clear about that. Yeah. But something happened. I read the story about this. I imagine you saw it and I hadn't thought about it in so long. It's the 20th anniversary of the Kevin Williams pick. Yeah. Um, and for those who don't remember, the Vikings had the number seven pick in the draft and didn't get the pick in. And then didn't get the pick in again. And then when nine came around, they actually took the pick and nobody knew what in the world was going on. It was totally confusing. But I want to bring that up because I feel like there's an underrated part of that that nobody talks about, which is, how is Kevin Williams not in the Hall of Fame? Like, they fell down those picks and got a monster. Like, it actually was kind of (laughs) savvy. Yes, he, uh, I know, I wish they were a little more savvy than, uh, than, but I wish I was part of the plan was to save that money in the draft slot and everything. But yeah, in the story, I'm glad it finally comes to light because I can actually talk about it now because now it's public, is... 
the owner at the time, Red McCombs, uh, who just recently passed, he uh, he was kind of a penny pincher. Uh, and he came in, and this is before the current CBA uh, that we have in the NFL where these guys are slotted their salary. And so there's it was the wild, wild west when he negotiated rookie contracts. And he came in right before the draft started and said, trade the pick. And so usually trades are worked out weeks in advance, days in advance. And so they had about, as teams were picking, they had like an hour to figure out some some trade that the, now they're on the clock and they had to do it. So it was because some of that, some some penny pinching that they ended up missing the pick because the Ravens, they ended up making the trade. This is all in the article. They ended up making the trade and the Ravens decided not to turn it in. <laughs> they just said, oh, well, if you guys miss the clock, we can rush up and get our pick in. So, ah, sorry. I, I don't know. We, oh, shoot. We lost, the, we lost the deal. Didn't report it to the NFL. Ozzie Newsom had a great answer in the interview. He's like, yeah, I tried to reach out and they didn't pick up the phone call. It's like, oh, you're great, Ozzie. That's why you're, that's why you're a legend, man. <laughs> you know how to spin it. But yeah, that was a, I wish it was. I could say it was savvy, but it was more financial that led to the ninth pick. But I will say that Kevin Williams was the target that entire time. So yeah, uh, they that, got that a beast. One good thing. They got he a monster. Is, yeah, he is one of those guys that somehow, and I just don't have a great answer for how, he didn't at that position. Only certain guys get it, right? Like, I don't right. know what you have to do as a defensive tackle for people to look up and be like, oh, no, 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 no. He's that guy. Right. But he was that guy. People remember Pat Williams, I think, more because Pat Williams was fatter. Right. And so they're like, oh, there you go. And, and then they remember the Williams wall nickname, you know, and yes. all that. And, and Kevin too, it's like, he played across the D line. Like he was just a mall. That's who actually, I said the high end comparison. That's why this is a guy in this draft is Jalen Carter is I said, if he hits everything he can hit, Kevin Williams is his comparable. Like that, that's the, their play styles are very similar, how strong they are and like fluid as athletes and everything. But Kevin was special, man. Like he was just truly, truly strong, but he also could, was athletic enough to line up as an edge and get 10 He got 10 sacks as a rookie. Like it, it was, he was a all-time freak. I'm glad you're bringing him up because I love hyping up Kevin Williams. He was an all-decade player and people like forget about it. They're that's just, what oh. I'm saying. Like all the all-decade Legit, guys eventually all get into the Hall yes, of Fame, yes. right? But I don't know how that's the one that just kind of slipped out of people's minds. Like he got all the first team all. That's not like he wasn't getting the first team all pros. It's not yeah. like he wasn't getting the accolades. He got them all. He got all the accolades, got the stats, got the like, you know, the comedian's comedian kind of thing. You know, he's the yeah. football player's football player kind of guy. Like, I don't know. I I, I don't know either. I, I, I He got retired in, or he got put in the ring of honor with the Vikings. Thank God, finally. But uh, that's something I'm waiting for, too. He's also lost a bunch of weight. He's like a classic guy. Like, you, his head mm -hmm. size is the same, though. But his body <laughs> is, like, so much smaller. So it looks a little off when I see him. But I, I agree. I'm glad you're hyping this up. But yeah, let's Kevin Williams for Hall of Fame. Like, let's, let's pound the table for this. I, I'm Boom. all about this. <laughs> Let's make it happen. I want to ask you this. You are going to the draft, which is in Kansas City this year. And honestly, I can't think of any place I want to be less than a place with thousands of people who would travel to go to the draft. Like, like what what, what kind of scene are we expecting here? Is it even going to be warm? Like, are people going to be outdoors in the cold for this? I actually don't even know. Uh, I have to check the weather. I know I'm in a studio, so I'll be with my button-down shirt trying to look clean. I'll actually have to <laughs> shave for it. Uh, the, no, but uh, I thought that last year when the – it's kind of mean, but here we go. Uh, it was so my my wife was working. You know, she worked at a casino job uh, on the strip. I should say casino job at a casino. She was in convention sales. She was working at Fountain Blue, um, and the, which is about to open this year. And the draft comes in last year. And at the time, she's working at MGM. And you know, I think they said five hundred thousand people or four hundred thousand and change came to Vegas last year. 
And when she was working at MGM at the time, they're all like, you know, we're expecting a lot of our like, you know, Bellagio's to sell out, you know, the, the big time, the casinos, the wind said they didn't sell out at all. And I said to my wife, I go, you know, what type of people travel for the draft, right? <laughs> I think Circus Circus is probably sold out. <laughs> I think a lot of the downtown casinos, I don't want to like smirch their names, but I think there's a lot of people flying in looking at those 50 to $60 rates, not the 250 $300 Dude, rates. You <laughs> talk, it's so funny that you mentioned the win on that because I had never gone in the win. Like when I'm in Vegas, I typically am on the other end and I went in the win during summer league. And I'm like, oh. oh, this is where the players are. Like, oh, there's Adam Silver and Masai Ujiri. Oh, this, I was like, oh, this is where the money at. Yes, they call that Got the it. luxury corridor is what they yes. call that in Vegas now. <laughs> and it the name makes a lot of sense, especially once you go in there. Or you go to one of the bars. or uh, call, When you see $25 minimum tables is the cheapest table they have, that's exactly what type of setting you're going into. Right, twenty five, like $25 minimum at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was going to say, during the day. <laughs> and then you walk around. Or they it's a $50 table and it's packed and you're like $50 minimum craps table. Okay. <laughs> right, yeah. Like do I don't know where you gamble at night in Vegas anymore. If you ain't coming to like really throw money around. Cause I'm the dude on TV that been looking at them tables. Like, nah, I ain't doing that. Right. Cause like, look, if it's a $50 minimum to me, if you are not putting like 15, 20 hands down right. to start, you can't do this. So I got to put a thousand dollars down basically right. for this to be an activity. Otherwise right. I'm just here till I run out of money. Right. Three hands and you're done. It's yeah, the clip from Swingers where they get the $100 chip and that was it. They just get the one the yes. one bet on it. Yeah. That, um, I will say that downtown Vegas, which is, you know, uh, Fremont uh, and all that, the areas right outside of it have gotten kind of cool. Like uh, they threw a bunch of money and a bunch of hipsters at it. And then now it's kind of cleaned up and fun to go down. But like the Casino Circa. Uh, is is great. I'm not sponsored by them in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. I should be by this point in time. <laughs> but uh, you'll find some some ten, maybe fifteen dollar tables there, even during prime time, which is really nice. And five dollar during the day. I like to gamble, but that's the thing. I like it to be a time waster, not a you know. It's not. It's more about the time spent there. And usually you have to win to do that. But even if when I'm losing, I hopefully get at least a half hour out of, right. out of my gambling experience. That's what I'm saying. I'm not here to make a profit because honestly, yeah. that's stupid. Right. right. Like, like if this was about you making a profit, it wouldn't be a casino. And it certainly wouldn't have such fancy lights. Like that's not, that's this, not how this works. This I feel like it wouldn't if, exist. <laughs> right. I feel like if I put $200 down, I am paying for $200 of fun. And yes. hopefully my $200 of fun will extend into a time or whatever it is. Right. But man, yeah. I've had those times where I wind up there and I've done all this splitting and doubling down. And I got like maybe <laughs> three four hundred dollars on the table winning doesn't feel good no it just feels like relief it's just like oh. <laughs> like a field goal going in at the end just, oh, oh thank christ <laughs> right <laughs> we, what did we I won do? the game and i got a heart attack out of it <laughs> yeah like this isn't this ain't really a good time like it's, yeah. it's not and i enjoy it and like look when it is a profit it's a good time it's great don't get me wrong right but i'm not I'm not built for that. Like people who are really about that life, they'd be like, yo, man, I, will, I came out of Vegas up 10 G's. I'm like, how did your broke ass even get to a point where you could do enough where this was possible? Right. That, that you're throwing that kind of money because you have to spend money to make money usually. Yes. <laughs> that, well, that's what I'll I'll be around. I, I kind of, when I moved here, so I moved here five years ago, I, I kind of got the gambling out of my system in like the first three months, aka I lost uh, <laughs> in the first three months and I got it all out of my system. I'll go to craps tables and there'll be like a hot table. It's just boom, boom, boom. A couple of bets hit, a couple of points hit. And you look around and like the guy with a bunch of money isn't even like cheering. Like he isn't even getting a fist pump. And it's like, is this even fun? 
Like, is this just like, you're just getting it done. Like you're just checking this box. Like, Hey, I got to gamble $5,000 today. You know, yes. gotta, you know, gotta, gotta pull some weeds, mow the lawn and bet $5,000 at the craps table on the pass line. Like, you know, it's like, that's not, that's, that's your a point of fun. Like I go there and like you said, like my $200, if I hit a couple points, oh my God, I'm, I'm obnoxious. I, I'm, I'm high, I'm high-fiving everybody. Even the guys that did the don't pass. I don't care. You're high-fiving me. I don't care about your bad juju you just threw at me. <laughs> no, I'm a blackjack dude. And I got, I get to my don't touch it now stack, right? Okay. This guarantees that I could come back and have this I fun again over. later, right? Like, 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 give me that and some big chips yes. so I can put this over here and I can't squander it. But then I mess around. Next thing you know, man, Brady's staying down for me, man. Like, I just, I ain't, I ain't ready to go yet. Hey, I got four greens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the worst for me, though, last time I went to Vegas, they canceled my outgoing flight and they did it in the worst play. They didn't cancel it. They just kept delaying, kept delaying. Oh, and no. I found something out. They, the, there was a part that they needed. And then I like, we waiting right. for the part to come in. I'm like, come in from where? They said Atlanta. I was like, y'all ain't got no warehouse here. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the warehouse is in Atlanta. <laughs> like, like, are you kidding me? But kind of there's no way to kill time in Vegas. That does not like, you just go back to the table. Go right straight. Uh, or or the slot machine at the, the airport that you could just say, you just hear that wheel of fortune. Like, oh, right. Where, where's that at? Oh, right, right next to Hudson News. Yeah, <laughs> follow, follow the cigarette smoke and it'll get you oh right to the slot machines. But I just remember I, I had, I couldn't get on another flight to the red eye. And it was oh, just like, man, brutal. I just hope this goes well for me because I don't have anything to do but gamble. That's absolutely brutal. I, I now have the flip side where I fly back into Vegas and, and I'm going home. But the, mm-hmm. everyone else on my flights already like half drunk or fully drunk, <laughs> and they're yelling. You know, uh, twenty five minutes on our flight, and we're entering Las Vegas. So you got the three idiots in the back going Vegas, and then I'm like, I just want to get home. I got my headphones off. I'm like, sweatshirt, hoodie up. Like, no, I look like the Unabomber when I fly. But it's, but that's that's exactly it with Vegas too. Is that they just try to do everything possible to make you walk through the casinos, walk through all the noise, all the lights. Just to throw down, even if it's a $5 bet, a $10 bet. Hey, have you heard about our sports betting app? Yeah, it's super simple to <laughs> sign up for. And we got a $50 bonus thrown in. It's like just lights and temptation thrown at you in every way, shape, and form. <laughs> yep, and I'm here for it. I admit. I know, like, right? Like, 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 like it's like, okay, hey, it's just a mob. It's just a mob. It's just a mob. I, I grew up around the horse track. My my dad's huge into horse racing. So it was like, the, like you said, that cigarette smoke, that's almost like, like feels like home a little bit feels like uh, uh emerald downs in seattle or, or churchill or lexington or something of that sort oaklawn in arkansas like oh, feels like one of spots. oh oh it's it's bad it's it's really bad i i'd be like the youngest person there by 30 years like all oh, no. the time i used to go with my aunt uh who also coincidentally smoked a lot of cigarettes um but my mom was from Oklahoma City, and there's just not a lot of things to do in Oklahoma City. So, Faye would just take me to the track, and we just nice. go bet bet two dollars on this, bet two dollars yep. on that. You know, little buddy, because uh, they 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 are they are thrifty people. Uh, but that's what we do. We five dollar show bet. You know, that's right. I'd go there, and it would. I mean, definitely youngest person on the scene yes. every yes. time. But of course, I was eight, so you would like hope that I would be the youngest person. On I. The yeah, it's one of those where looking back, it was like, wow, like uh, I knew how to read the form when I was like nine or 10 and knew, you know, like what the testing numbers are and the workout numbers meant and what odds changes meant, knew what paramutual <laughs> betting was and why when people came up to my dad and said, why? oh, you can bet on horses. And, and it's like, well, it's paramutual betting. It's not sports betting. So that's why <laughs> have, you, have you ever looked up why, you know, like NFL types can bet on horses, oh, no. but can bet on sports before? No. Well, look at the family history of the Runas and the Maras. 
And, okay. and, and oh, I did know it. about the Rudy's. I did yeah. know about the Rudy's. And look who owns a couple of horse tracks around the country. And yeah, once you once you piece that together, you're like, oh, that's why horse racing was always okay. But you did, know, sports did betting you was not. Read that series in the Pittsburgh paper a few months ago about the Rooney family? No. Oh, oh. I gotta find you the links. Oh, please. It do. is well, it's two things that are interesting. One, the Rooney's are like Bizarro World, where the second generation ownership was the one that cleaned things up. Yep. And the reason was the first generation ownership was just a little too busy doing other stuff. I'm excited to see what other stuff. I think I know what it is, but I'm excited uh, it to rhymes see what it is. with it rhymes with schmackets. Like it was just it was just explicitly <laughs> that he was the rackets man. Yep, there was a, like no right. mystery to it. Sports sookie, like you yes, know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> or no, something. Something it, arrives with fob. Uh, it is decidedly <laughs> Pittsburgh. Like that's the other part of it too. Like it is very grimy, rust belt underworld. But it is amazing how since the Steelers got good, because people forget the Steelers were awful until they were good. Once they got good, they became a venerable family. But it's not because of the first generation. Yeah. The second one's the one that came in and made things it, happen. And they're all named Dan and Art. So yes. I gotta remember which one's which. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. What one of them? Uh, but yeah, that <laughs> doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, and yeah. looking at the founding of the NFL is really, really interesting to look at. Oh, there's a lot of New York connections here. Wow, <laughs> a lot of Italian last names. Oh, I'm sure there's nothing. There's nothing. Correl- there's no correlation here at nah, whatsoever. So those stories are way more fun than what they give us. Way more. Like what I love about college sports is, you see, you you are of Midwestern college sports, which operates one way. I'm from the South. It's grimy. And that's what makes it fun. Yes. Or when I live my two years living in Atlanta, I always say Atlanta, but it's Buford, Georgia, which is a whole different place. Uh, And the second question everyone asked you, you know, what's your name? And then second question was, who do you cheer for? And after a while, I I realized they meant college football. Mm -hmm. And that was a big, I grew up around the NFL my whole life. Like, so I was never really a true college guy like uh maryland basketball my dad's a terp uh didn't graduate but he was a terp and so around gary williams and steve francis and those teams i was like all all about maryland hoops but like college football was never like kind of that for me you know university of minnesota wasn't great uh maryland had a couple nice years under uh fridge and all that but it was kind of never that and then really going to wisconsin ga pit and then go move those two years in the south and that's when it's like it all clicked for me i was like oh oh Oh, this is a lifestyle for you guys. This is oh, not yeah, just yeah, a yeah, yeah. fun else. thing to put on Saturdays <laughs> to wait till the NFL. This is truly, truly your guys' lives. <laughs> I'm gonna drop people one random factoid because we're coming to the end and have taken enough of your time, and I appreciate you. I just happened to be on a wiki binge and I saw look speaking of pit. I don't know why I wound up looking up the 1980 Pittsburgh Panthers. That was a college team with four Hall of Fame players. Yes. yes. Where one of the Hall of Fame players was the other defensive end. That is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Two Hall of Fame linemen, two Hall of Fame de- offensive linemen, two Hall of Fame defensive linemen, and Dan Marino. Yep, yep. And well, excuse other- me, one, one Hall of Fame defensive lineman, the other defensive lineman was maybe the best college defensive Hugh end of Green? all time. Or, Hugh uh, yeah, yeah, Hugh Green. Because he would Ricky Jackson. God, oh, Ricky Jackson. Oh, my dad played with him too. Uh, that And also the offensive line had other like pro bowlers. On yes. it. You Mark know, May. Like, yeah, Mark, Mark May was on there. Mark May. Like uh, even outside the Hall of Famers, they had other guys that were accomplished NFL offensive alignment. Those teams are loaded. Uh, they I didn't really realize that till I got there. And when my dad actually he got recruited by them and he was telling me some old stories and you know, they had some thrifty hands. 
uh, <laughs> some, uh, I should say thrifty loose hands uh, yeah, maybe in the recruiting I, back then. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, after we get off of here, I can't wait for the Jackie Sherrill stories. Yes. That's what we're really talking about here is the greatness of Jackie Sherrill. Not yep. an ounce of hypocrisy to him either. This nope, is just what it I, is. Nope. <laughs> and you want to know why my dad didn't consider Pitt was when Jackie went down back down South. And that's when he was like, Oh, I'm not interested in Pitt anymore. <laughs> so he went to play other, for what? That's Bobby no, Ross. I guess he went to play for. Yes. Yes, he did. Bobby Ross. That's exactly right. An and, entirely different human Jackie uh, Sherrill. yeah uh couldn't be any more opposite uh especially from the stories i've heard and that, that's the other thing too is when he got recruited at maryland's maryland now but it was like i didn't realize maryland was pretty damn good in the 70s like he got there and you know coming off like a nine and two season or whatever it was yeah. so he, he my last story with them is that the hardest he ever got hit was he played against lawrence taylor but Lawrence Taylor was a nose tackle at North Carolina, which is, <laughs> I think, blows people's minds. He was a 260-pound freak. Tells you everything tackle. you need to know about Lawrence Taylor right yeah. there. He and my dad said he got hit by him. And it's the only time in his life that he said, I wanted to die. Like I actually <laughs> I got hit. My sternum felt like it caved in and I wanted to die. <laughs> but like, that just speaks to Lawrence just Taylor. Just imagine lining up across from Lawrence Taylor before anybody really knew what this was. Right. You know what I mean? Like, hey, hey, North Carolina, they say they've got this guy to watch out for. I guess we're going to see. Yeah. (laughs) Or Bruce Smith at Virginia Tech. Right. (laughs) Or like like Pepe Carolina. Like the idea that Julius Peppers is probably the second best defensive lineman that school had. Yeah. Because the other one's LT. And the second freakiest one. <laughs> now you're the now you're the freakiest defensive player that's played there. The second freakiest player that's played there, which is one. Uh, uh, absurd. Oh. Yeah, like you played oh on the Final God. Four basketball team. Really yeah. neat. Anyway, Lawrence Taylor. Pretty good, Y'all right? Him. Y'all to beat him. <laughs> but man, oh, that's funny. And that is Nate Tice. Check him out at the Athletic. Does great work covering the NFL. Check out his coverage of the NFL draft. He'll be covering the NFL draft. Thursday through Saturday doing live shows for the athletic. But man, I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is a ton of fun. Dude, man, no problem. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Parker Owens, Dan Stansig, and Adi Khan handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.